I'm going to recap on some things we talked about last week. Last week was Vision Sunday 2.0, where we share the vision of our church, and then I'll get more into today's sermon. But last week, if you were here, I shared a little bit of frustration that I had coming to Vision Sunday. Normally, I love, I'm all about vision. I love vision. I'm a visionary. I love what God's shown us for where we're going in the future. Uh, but I, I didn't realize how cranky I was until Danielle and I had a particular conversation. And, and then I realized that I was just frustrated about uh, this two-week period. And the reason I was frustrated is because, you know, we've been casting vision and projecting for a number of years that we're going to sell our land that we own in Meriden Plains, and we're going to buy land, and we're going to build landmark facilities according to all the prophecies. And I just, I was so ticked that we're coming to another vision builders, and I don't have good news. And so that's, that's my confession. Uh, and, and just the, the frustration of delay. And anyway, so I was praying about it, preparing, and the Lord he kind of gently rebuked me. He just said, you get over yourself, John. Get over yourself. Uh, because so often, and he, he reminded me of a scripture, but part of the, the prompt for me was so often uh, a significant journey of faith takes way longer than we would like. And for me, my role is to lead us as a church in our journey of faith together, but also to help encourage you in your journey of faith. Because I know many people who have had promises from God about things that haven't yet come to pass, and you don't need me standing up here whinging or cracking a wobbly. Uh, you need me uh, demonstrating how you walk the journey of faith, which means there can be moments where you get cranky, but ultimately you come back and say, well, what has God said about your prodigal? What has God said about your health? What has God said about your business or your finances or your calling? What has God said about your emotional well-being and breakthroughs? So, so I've got over myself and I'm here to tell you a little bit, but remind you about the faith journey. God prompted me with that Habakkuk chapter 2. And then the Lord answered and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for a appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, which means uh, delays while you're waiting, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry, which is the great definition of a, of a prophetic faith journey. Tarry, because it's not happening yet. Wait, it will happen. Wait, it will happen. But then suddenly it happens. That's, that's the journey. Now, the problem with a faith journey is you just never know when the suddenly it happens moment is. But when there's an appointed time, God circled it on his calendar. We just don't know where the, what the calendar looks like. So our job is to stay in faith until the appointed time comes. And so I was reminded of of a number of prophecies. And particularly the last few years, I've kind of just gone more into trust zone around our church land and miracle. But this year, I've really been prompted to stir up and go again. And so I've been, I would go through a series of prophecies. And the appointed time reminded me of a prophecy 10 years ago from Vicki Simpson. Uh, she says, the Lord wants you to know that he's been actually holding it off for a season. This is the land. 
that your times and seasons are not dictated by lack, says the Lord. Your times and your seasons are determined by me. That means he's circled the calendar. That I would open and I would shut, says God. Is not the key of David on my shoulder? That I, would, I can open what no man can open. I will shut what no man can shut. And I've been holding it back for a reason and for a season, says the Lord. All right. So God's been holding it back. One day we'll understand why. There's a reason. One day we'll understand the timing. There's a season. What's our job in the meantime? Just keep believing, keep moving forward. This is what she went on to prophesy. Same prophecy, February 2013. So I will do, says the Lord, exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all you could ask or think. And God says it will be a landmark facility, not just in this region, not just in this state, but even in the nation, says God. Along with scriptures that God's given me and others and and pictures, we continued on that journey. And what I love about God when you're on a faith journey is He knows you just need some encouragement along the way. And so He gives you scriptures, but He sends prophets to prophesy, particularly people who've got no idea about in the natural what's happening. So He sent David McCracken, who's a globally recognized prophet. He comes in, and this is what He said five years after the first, five years after the first prophecy. Anyway, that's, there's a future property that's going to require great faith and a deep resolve. And there's going to be contradiction and opposition. But that must be viewed from a position of command, a position of authority, a position that is resting in the security that we serve a God where nothing is impossible. Supernatural provision is the lane that we travel in. That's my language. I love it. And never what is humanly possible, really kind. Then God... He's speeding up with these prophecies. It was only two years later, the next one. Michael Maiden. And God's releasing in this, he's prophesying over me. Right, Michael Maiden is probably the premier or one of the top three premier prophetic voices globally. Unbelievably accurate in, his, in what he prophesies and when it comes to pass. God is releasing in this next season. There's going to be a string of miracle properties that kick the whole C3 movement, one after the other, that hit that whole C3 movement. The unexplainable kind of favor. He's prophesying over me and the movement at the same time. And it's because C3 has never been a property-based ministry. And because the properties have always been, the, the priorities have always been right with God, God's unlocking the vault. And I declare supernatural miracle properties are going to be released to C3 movement one after the other. That's nice. And then last year, I was at Planet Shakers in Melbourne, just spending a couple of midweek days, and they all got together in their staff meeting, and unbeknown to me, three of their prophets prophesied. One of them is Tim Hall's wife, Jackie Hall, and she grabbed me, and I've never met her, and she doesn't know us, and so she begins to prophesy last year. This is God. I will absolutely accelerate now. Right now, I'm accelerating what you're hungry for, searching for. And I know that you and I together are going to take land. You're going to go out to places you never thought you were going to, and I'm going to give you this Abrahamic anointing to take ground, to take land, to take property, almost like an ambassador from heaven. And you're now to take land like you've never seen before, and I'll supply the monetary value. Don't ever think I've not got enough. I've got more than enough for you, and I've got more than enough for the ambition that I've placed inside of you to take this land, to take community and to take nations. That's very cool. So that's five of a number of prophecies. And when you're on a faith journey, I I listen to those and I read those every Wednesday as I pray over our church land and I'm, I'm walking through facilities. I can see facilities. I'm walking through them that God's got for us. So I just want to encourage you. I don't have 
a great announcement that we've signed a contract, but I do have a, it's just as good, I've got an announcement of what God said. Because you can go to the bank with what God said, the bank of heaven that is, not the local bank. You can go to the bank on what God has said. I love this. I feel like it took us 10 years as a church to get a rental facility. And then we broke through. And then we've seen miracles in rental facilities. This building we got and probably a $2 million fit out and council legal fees uh, cost us about $500,000. Melbourne got a lease building just like that. Uh, when, we, when we went to Melbourne, got given $100,000 worth of equipment. So when you break through in one thing, it flows. So we're breaking through in land and landmark facilities that will flow to other, other locations in the future and other C3 churches. Now, it might take a while. I shared this. Randy Clark, for 25 years, prayed for blind people and saw no one healed. And then suddenly he broke through and in one month saw 20 legally blind people healed. What is that? That's persistence together. So I want us to stand together right now and just agree. I want us to agree together. I want, to get, I want us in a moment just to give God some praise and, and a shout. And that shout and that praise is just saying, God, we hear what you've said and we say amen. We hear what you've declared over our church and we say amen. So I'm going to count to three. We're going to give you some praise and we're going to say amen. Are you ready to go? One, two, three. Come on, give him praise. Yes, Lord. We say amen. Yes to your word. Yes to your promises. Yes to landmark facilities. Yes for breakthrough. Yes, yes, yes. You will receive all the glory. You will receive all the honor. Yes, yes, yes. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. We magnify you. You're holy. You're powerful. You're awesome. You fulfill your promises. Roboshamba. You fulfill your promises. You fulfill your promises. Roshamba retiglut. Sobambre sebrusha. You fulfill your promises, God. There we go. I've got to turn back on. Lord, you fulfill your promises. You watch over your word to perform it. You fulfill every promise. In the name of Jesus, we see landmark facilities. We see breakthrough. We see the glory of God. We're getting given, getting given buildings. We're getting given land. We're breaking through with supernatural favor. Every location of C3 Powerhouse supernaturally has its own building because we first broke through on the Sunshine Coast and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Come on. Now that's not just for us. That's for you. What's your prophecies? What's your promises? Pull them out and let's walk the faith journey together, encouraging one another in the Lord. I got a scripture this week just after sharing that. Two scriptures. Psalm 125, 1 and 3. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. We cannot be uh, shaken but endures forever. And then watch this. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous. I love that. God's got land allotted to C3 Powerhouse. 
and he's going to get it into our hands. That's awesome. Then Psalm 126, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues were songs of joy. And it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. That sounds a little bit like our dream for the decade. It'll echo around the nations. Praise God. Praise God. So today, as we come into our Celebration Sunday, and, and uh, if, if this is your church home, if this is where you call home, and if you love the vision God's given us, our vision is to see lives transformed. We've got a dream over a decade with seven particular aspects. We, we see our church in a season of revival. We see ourselves raising leaders who are brilliant disciple makers. We see a landmark facility. We see five church plants. We've already done two. Uh, we see our church being filled with influencers and entrepreneurs. We see powerful breakthrough healings being part of the mark of our church and kindness into our community. They're the seven aspects of our dream for the decade. And so if this is your church home. And if you're visiting, just enjoy our passion for our, our God and our vision. But if this is your church home, I want to encourage you to get behind the vision and to become a vision builder. And so I want to invite a delightful young lady in our church. Her name is Riley, last name Pierce, only related through Jesus, Riley Pierce. And she's going to come and tell a little bit of your story because you're a transformed life, Riley. And this is a key part of your story. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor John. Hey church, my name is Riley. I was only 10 years old when I witnessed everything my parents owned slip through their fingers. First their business, then our family home, followed by our car and everything else that we held dear. Final destination was bankruptcy. At a time in my life where I needed to feel loved most, I felt quite abandoned, alone, and consumed by fear that I would now grow up poor. In my teenage years, the anxiety around money and lack in my life drove me to push away the people I loved and submit my life to a fear and scarcity. Heavily medicated for severe anxiety and depression, I walked through the gates of C3 Powerhouse two and a half years ago. For the first time in my life, I experienced a love without being asked for anything in return. This led me to receive the ultimate gift from God and accept Jesus into my life. Week after week, I experienced the generosity of members at this church and even total strangers pouring love into me. While I still had a very tight grip on the little money that I had, God showed me how much had been given to me. However, when the vision builders came around that year, I was still not convinced that sacrificing my hard-earned money was a good idea. But I did want to be a part of others experiencing the same transformation that I had been so freely given. So in one service, I closed my eyes and asked God what he thinks I should do. I knew that God knew where I was at and that he would meet me there. The Holy Spirit started to comfort me, and I felt God telling me just to trust him. I asked God, how much do I give? And I heard him say, just start with a dollar a day. Now, I know that's not a huge amount, but for someone who grew up with everything being stripped away from them, that was a huge step of faith. And I experienced that God rewards those who step out in faith. Once I became a vision builder, I saw God really make a move in my finances and my own generosity towards others. I literally have seen debts disappear. I've been given many job opportunities. 
I was granted a perfect rental property in a super rough rental crisis. And God's been looking after me with side jobs of babysitting and child mining for extra cash and many more blessings that I continue to see. But the biggest gift that I can't put a price on is how God turned my poverty mindset into one that now freely and generously gives. God has challenged me to give above what I can imagine, and I have learned to ask him what he would like me to do. So this year, I'm going to give in obedience and with a joyful heart, because I know that God loves a cheerful giver. And I'm really excited to see what surrendering and being obedient to him with my finances will continue to do in my future. Thank you, and God bless. Love that. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, Benj. Magnificent. Magnificent, magnificent. I love that. Dollar a day. It's really powerful. It's awesome. So I want to encourage us. So as I said, if you are, if this is your church home and you, the vision of our church and our dream resonates with you, then I do want to encourage you to be a vision builder. And I want to tell you three reasons why I want to encourage you to, to join with Danielle and I and our board and our pastors and our leaders and, and hundreds of people in our church being vision builders. Uh, the first, really, the first point of this is the power of unity. There is power in unity. Uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 1 is the day of Pentecost. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Sounds like a teenager saying when it was fully sick. But when it had fully come, that's an old teenager, like from years ago, not today. Uh, when the, the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So there was on the calendar a circled. That's awesome. There was on the calendar a circled date for the day of Pentecost to fully come. And so then when it came, here's, here's the story. They were in one accord. Uh, now, not a Honda. I know some of you think they were in a Honda, but there was 120 of them. We know they drove a Honda, though, because they were following Jesus' example. We, we do know that it is, because Jesus in verse, John 24, 12, 49 says, For I did not speak of my own accord. <laughs> Come on. Jesus, obviously, he didn't want to talk about his own Honda Accord. But they were all in one accord. It was, I don't know. Anyway, sorry. They were all in one accord in one place. I think this was, I think this is one of the keys for God showing up when the Kairos appointed moment comes. God's got a, a circle date on a calendar for you for break. Now, some things we, we actually, God just responds to our faith immediately. But other things have a due date. They have a circle date on, on heaven's calendar. And so when God's, that date comes, God goes and he looks and he goes, now are they in unity and are they, are they in faith? I mean, there was a moment for the children of Israel to go into the promised land. They had a date on the calendar to go into the promised land and they flipped out of it because of unbelief. And then they tried the next day and God said, you missed your moment. Because when your day came, you needed to be in unity and in faith and in one accord, and they missed it. And so Pentecost comes, and they're in one accord. They're in unity. Psalm 133 uh, says this. this is a great, uh, a great psalm. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren, for the believers, to dwell together in unity. goes on and says, it's like the Jew of Hermon which is not from the monsters. It's the Jew of Hermon, the mountain, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, 
life forevermore. Where did he command blessing? Where? Where there was? I know it's not a trick question. I just want to make sure you're listening. Where there was unity. Where there was unity, God commanded a blessing. Where there was unity, they were in one heart, God showed up on the day of Pentecost. When there was unity, heaven was attracted. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher Charles Spurgeon said, unity is the highest attribute of the church. The strongest evidence of the divine inspiration of the gospel and it's the most powerful means of advancing the kingdom of God on earth. I love that. One of the greatest preachers that the earth's seen uh, since Bible times, Charles Spurgeon. Unity, come on, unity is the highest attribute of the church. You can see why the devil wants to get us disunited, wants to get us arguing over things that don't really matter, over preferences and opinions. But what we need to unite on is the good things that God said. Genesis 11 verse 8, and the Lord said, this is the, the people, not Christians, not God's people. They're trying to build a tower to heaven. It's called the Tower of Babel. It's where now Babylon is, the Tower of Babel. And in that moment, God said, we need to, we need to break these guys up because they're, they're so powerful. And why are they so powerful? The Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they've got one language and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do be, will be withheld from them. Why? Because they're one in their heart and they're one in their language. And when the church gets one in our heart and one in our language and one participating together, that is, that's unity and there's something powerful that the gates of hell will not prevail against. That's you and I getting in unity. So that's why I, it's part of my role. I, I'm not fundraising right now. That's not my goal. I am unifying right now. I want us to be in unity. And whether it's a dollar a day or a dollar a week, whether it's $10 a day or $10 a week, whether it's $100 a day or $100 a week, the, the amount is secondary to the heart that says, I love the vision, I love the dream, and I'm all in. I'm going to give part of my pension. I'm going to give part of my Centrelink. I'm going to give part of my part-time high school job because I'm all in. Come on, I'm working at Macca's and I'm going to give something because I'm in the vision for God. Unifying, unifying. So there's power and unity as we today make a pledge and hear from God. I, I don't want you to give more than what God wants you to give. I don't want to manipulate you to give anything beyond what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. But I want to create an atmosphere where you go, okay, God, I'm a little freaked out about this, but speak to me and I'll obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. Power of unity. Second thing that we're wanting to do when we come together in a vision builders is we break the control of mammon. All right, we break the, the now stay with me. One of my favorite topics, break the power. Jesus, Matthew chapter six, this is written in red, so you know it's Jesus. No one can serve two masters for either he'll hate one and love the other or he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, not backgammon, but mammon. Okay, you cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. Don't be anxious. 
What you'll eat, what you'll drink, not about your body, what you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor, nor gather into barns. Let, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than them? I love this. Jesus says, don't serve, you can only serve God or mammon. God or mammon. So let's talk about mammon. What is mammon? Mammon, mammon's a spirit, it's a demonic spirit that attaches to money. It attaches to possessions. Money in and of itself is not wrong. Who, who would like more money? Okay, good answer. We're doing great. Okay. Money in, a, in and of itself is not wrong. Possessions in and of themselves are not wrong. They are amoral. In fact, they're, they're something that God wants to bless you with and to enjoy if you've got the right attitude. But mammon, the spirit that attaches to money and possession, wants to control you. It wants to lord it over you. Uh, and this is this, okay, let, let me give an example that some of you will understand a bit better. Let's talk about sex. Like, oh, okay, a few of you just woke up. I just saw, whoa, hey, hey, what's going on here? Hang on a minute. It's talking about money. I'm out of here, but now sex? Awesome. All right. Come on, Beryl, Beryl, he's just started talking about sex. This is awesome. Anyway, naughty pastor, I'll just hold it back. Sex in and of itself is awesome. Don't go, don't go quiet on me, fellas, right now. This is the moment. This is the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm out here on my own, and I need you to come with me. Sex is a great creation from God. Thank you so much. That's better. It's a gift to be enjoyed. It's a gift for intimacy. It's a gift for creation. It's a gift for fun. It's a gift for emotional bonding. It's a gift from God. But a spirit can get on a person and around sex, and it's called lust. And lust distorts sex. Lust changes people's perception of sex. It destroys things. Uh, it tells people, it lies to people. This spirit lies. Sex will make you happy. Sex will fix all your problems. And it lies to people. And it's like, oh, and it, it creates images and pictures to try and draw people into a never fulfilling sex life because of a lie and a distortion. And it ends up, the end result is that people become selfish, dissatisfied, boundaries are crossed, people are deeply hurt, addictions are entered into, people are controlled, and families are destroyed. A good thing that God created for a purpose with a spirit of lust that gets on it and distorts it, then suddenly takes something that was meant for good and, create, and makes it more for evil. It's not bad, it's just the spirit that attaches to it. Are we, are we with me today? Mammon is to money what lust is to sex. That's what it is. Mammon is to money. Mammon is a spirit that gets on money and possessions. It's the spirit of the Western world. It's the spirit. And Jesus said, you can't serve mammon and God. You've got to choose one or the other because here's what mammon says. Mammon whispers lies to you. It whispers lies like this, that money and possessions They'll make you successful. That money and possessions, it will solve all your problems. Money and possessions will make you happy. This is the lies that mammon whispers or shouts. Money and possessions will make you a somebody. It'll give you value. 
It'll give you worth. It'll make you important in the eyes of your neighbor. It'll, it'll give you value in the eyes of your father. You'll be proving yourself if you've accumulated wealth and resources and money, and that's what mammon tells you. Now, none of that is true. God's the only one who gives you true success and significance. God's the only one who will look after all your problems. God's the only one who will give you value and significance. He, if He'll get money to you. But if it controls you, that's what mammon on money does. It, it gets its claws into you to control you. And so here's the thing. God created money to be enjoyed. 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. He's not saying don't, to command them not to be rich. He says just don't be proudful, nor to trust in uncertain riches because riches can be here today and gone tomorrow. They're uncertain. But put your trust in the living God who what? who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So God gives us sex to be enjoyed, well, just to get some of you woken up again, He gives us sex to be enjoyed within the boundaries of marriage, and He gives us money to be enjoyed within the boundaries of His principles. So money, it comes, it's to be enjoyed, this is what it's for. It's to be shared with others so that you can, for mutual benefit, so you can take friends out for dinner and have a great time. Money's there to be shared. It's to be given away to bless others who have got needs. And it's to be invested for eternal purposes. That's what money's for. It's to be enjoyed. It's to be shared. It's to be given. It's to be invested for eternal purposes. It's not evil in and of itself, but if it gets its claws into you, not money, but the spirit on money, then this is what's going to happen. You'll live greedy, stressed about money. The sign is that, that mammon's got a hold of you is you're always stressed about money. Okay? You'll, be, you'll feel greedy. You'll be stingy. Like, he's talking about giving money. Oh, oh, let's get back to the sex talk. That was great. It's talking about giving money. You'll be proud about your possessions. Look at what I've achieved and what I've got. You'll be obsessed with finances. You'll be jealous of what other people have got. You won't be able to celebrate their success. And ultimately what will happen when pastor begins to talk about money like Jesus did all the time, because he said he knew that if your money's got a hold of you, I've got to break you free from it. When pastor starts to talk about money, here's the sign that mammon's got its claws into you. You get agitated or angry or anxious. Anxious because you're like, oh, he wants me to flip and give away money. Well, I'm not going to have enough. That's the fear of lack. That's one of the things mammon will do to you. God's, we just read it. He's a father in heaven. He looks after the birds of the air. Don't you think you're more valuable than them? He'll look after you. He wants to break you free from a fear of not having enough. That's God. Or you get angry. Oh, the amount of times I've, be, I've talked about money and I've watched people get up. And not, not, recent, not recent years, but early days when I began to teach what the Bible says, people are like, money. I one guy once who's not even a Christian, I talk about we're giving money at church, and he just manifested. I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm not even asking you, dude. I'm just telling you what, we're, what some generous people are doing. Spirit of mammon will manifest. Oh, don't, just don't turn to your neighbor and say you're agitated right now, but maybe you could. Maybe you could. Two moments where Jesus tries to set someone free from mammon. One's a rich young ruler, and his identity's in his wealth, 
And Jesus, he comes to Jesus and he doesn't say, Lord, he says, good teacher, so you're, you're good. And he's, he's looking for teaching instruction. And he says, what can I do? He says, fulfill the Ten Commandments. He goes, I've done all those. And Jesus goes, well, sell what you've got. Give it all to the poor. Come and follow me. You'll store up treasure in heaven. And he walks away sad. Why? Because money, mammon on his money has got control of him. And he misses his destiny. That's Luke 18. You go to Luke 19, great contrast. A tax collector, another wealthy man called Zacchaeus, has an encounter with Jesus. And he calls Jesus Lord, different from teacher, Lord. He says, Lord, I've given away half of my money and I've repaid everyone I've ripped off four times. He's had an encounter with Jesus and the spirit of mammon over his life has been broken in that encounter. And the result of mammon being broken is he gives away and he gets right because the spirit of mammon has previously caused him to operate outside of integrity to rip people off why do people rip other people off because mammon's their god and it's causing them to cheat and to do all sorts of things and and be oh this is good preaching anyway keep moving along so we're giving as vision builders if you're in this church and you love the vision and the Holy Spirit speaks to you. You're joining with us, and it brings the power of unity. Two, it's going to break the spirit of mammon off. And then the third thing is, is we're going to sow with expectation. Because here's the thing. It's possible to give and be unified and to break mammon's control off your like. So now you're, now you're a generous person, and mammon's not dominating you. But then actually not experience blessing. I'll just that hang out there for a moment. It's, it's a whole wheel for a whole other day, for a whole other story. I've written a book called The Wheels of Financial Blessing. I recommend you get it. It'll set you free and understand. But here's, here's the deal. I could go into the backyard and I could plant seed because the Bible over and over again talks about giving like sowing. Giving is not even like, giving is sowing. However, if I drop a seed in the ground, depending on the seed, and I walk away and I never weed it and I never water it and I never shade it and I never fertilize it. If I don't create an atmosphere for that seed to grow and flourish, I've planted a seed, but the chances that I'm going to see the fruit of the seed, are, they're not, they're, they're low. So I want, this is what I want you to do. If you've made a decision, okay, I'm breaking mammon, I'm giving, giving my dollar a day or whatever it is God's talked to you about giving, and you're like, I want to be unified and I'm, I'm, I'm all in for God. I want you just to take one extra step and that is to expect, to, to create an atmosphere around your life that this sowing is actually going to reap a financial harvest in your life. Now, the giving will break open something in your heart and change you and break mammon and fear off your life. But don't stop there. I want you to give with expectation. Just two scriptures as we come to a close. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. I know Danielle is going to preach into this tonight. It'll be great. Uh, it says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly. So Paul's writing to the Corinthians. They're collecting an offering that they pledged a long time ago. And he writes to say, we're sending someone to collect the offering that you pledged and he's inspiring them. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap, also reap bountifully. So let everyone give as he purposes in his heart. Okay, what you'll notice is I'm not walking around the room going, now you give a hundred and you give a thousand. No, you purpose in your heart. And if it's nothing, 
That's between you and God. I'm fine with that if that's between you and God. But whatever you purpose in your heart. Now, this is the rule of thumb I like to work with in this situation. Because I've been and I've seen the extremes of, awesome, I want to give a million dollars. So God, I'm going to pledge a million and it's up to you to provide a million. Don't do that. All right. What your best way to do this is to, to, to purpose in your heart, which means God might speak to you about an amount, but I'll just say, well, what can you give? And make it a weekly or, or how often you get income, make it that often. It might mean that you have to go sacrifice something else so that you can fulfill that commitment. There might be commitment and sacrifice. And you might go, or you're like, oh, I've got this income, or I've got this tax return, or I've got this thing. I know I can do it. Make that as a pledge. Make that 80, at maximum, uh, or minimum 80% of your pledge. And then if there's like, oh, I, I really, I'm going to believe God for a bit extra, I, I know I can do that 80%. I know it. Unless things change with my employment or whatever. So that's my pledge. And, and I'm going to believe God for a bit extra. Don't make the believing for the bit extra more than 20%. That cool? Just real, real practical. As we purpose in our heart, not grudgingly, not out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Remember, he's talking about seed. Galatians 6, verse 7 and 9. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Verse 9. So don't become weary in doing good, for in the proper time, there's that thing again, time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Again, talking about money. Now, I've had years where Danielle and I have pledged and given, and we've seen breakthroughs financially from the seed we've sown quite quickly. And then there have been other years where it's got worse, and we've fulfilled our pledge, and financially it's got worse. So you've got to understand that seed, when you give seed, there is no guaranteed one-year provision on seed. Some seed takes five years. Some, some seed takes two years. Some seed takes 10 years. Your job is to be obedient. My job is to be obedient to God in my sowing, but then to make sure that I keep working my faith because God, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. What you sow, you will reap if you don't grow weary and lose heart. So somebody today uh, the Lord's spoken to me numerous times where he says, I want you to go again, but I want you to just keep working on your faith. It's not about a matter of stretching more in your giving. It's a matter of stretching and growing your faith to catch up with your giving. Just want to help somebody here today. Are we good this morning? So I want us to close our eyes right now. and We're going to pray together. Thank you, keyboardist. And as I said, if this is your church home, if you love the vision, then I want to encourage you to be a vision builder. And so this morning, the first question I want to ask is if you're here this morning, you're like, okay, I don't know yet exactly how much, but I, I love this church. It's my home. And I want to be a vision builder. I'm, I, that's the step. I want to be in unity. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me today. I love this church. I want to be a vision builder. I'm in. I want to be part of this. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. So then the next question is to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? So let's just make room for that right now. Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? I pray that you'll speak with clarity. 
that you'll give us strategy, how we can do it. Make it easy, make it clear. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you need to speak to your spouse about this, just you can begin to have that conversation. Make sure you give an agreement. This is a powerful, holy moment. Breaking free from fear. Breaking free from the spirit of mammon. All right, while you're doing that, you can begin to write out your card. Dave Crowder, I want you to come up now and let's just have a quick chat about how to fill out the card, how this is going to work.